This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. like professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them ropes i am jeff hawkins alongside chris novembrino and what a weekend you have if you like wrestling because there's a lot of stuff to choose from new japan has a show smackdown hasn't aired yet as of this taping rampage battle of the belts impacts bound for glory extreme rules on saturday which we will preview later gcw if that's your thing because moxley and Nick Gage are having a match that's very, very interesting because it turns out it seems to be title versus retirement. So who knows? Uh, and, and let's not bury the lead here, Hawkins. I am going to be at eight airs on Sunday and Saturday night this week. So come on out 6 p.m. on Saturday and 10 to 1 on Sunday. What a weekend. In silly news, rest in peace, Judy Tenuta, who just one of the most fantastic stand-up comedians of the late 80s early 90s boom there uh chris are you aware of judy tenuta's work at all name rings a bell but no okay well, judy tenuta <clears throat> i i suggest everybody go seek out her late 80s stuff. she is pure gimmick as, as i like to say there are two types of stand-ups there's material stand-ups and there's uh delivery stand-ups she is pure delivery stand-up but there's a weird, and when you watch it now, there's a weird hyper-feminist vibe to what she does. Because her whole thing was, she is a goddess. She has a, a religion called Judaism. And all men will be her sex slaves. And that is her gimmick. And it is fantastic. And she just, I mean, her material is, anytime, I mean, there are like 8 million stand-up shows in like if the late 80s that you could watch. Anytime Judy Tenuta was on it. You needed to watch it. She had an accordion, which she called her IUD, which is funny in its own right. Uh, she did a lot of work with Weird Al in later years, too. I guess they had the accordion thing in common. He tweeted something about her. But, yeah, uh, she is crazy she, as a as a crap house rat, uh, but uh, could not have been a nicer woman. Um, and uh, died at age 72 of ovarian cancer here in Sherman Oaks, California. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we are... We are brought to you this week by HelloFresh. More on them later. Getting to the news now, uh, staying on the kind of the sad news, and we'll get off of that rather quickly, but uh, Tough Enough 2015 women's champ uh, Sarah Lee passed away yesterday at age 30, according to a Facebook post from her mom. Uh, two days earlier, she had posted on Instagram that she was back in the gym after a sinus infection. No cause of death revealed. I don't think any cause of death will be revealed. I'm kind of hoping no cause of death is revealed, but we'll see. Uh, her husband, oddly enough, if, if those of you who don't know, is Wesley Blake, ex of NXT, and has done some AEW work, and she leaves behind three kids. The entire wrestling community loved this woman, uh, apparently, um, because uh, you know that, that, that Tough Enough was interesting because it mostly brought in talent in terms of those who lasted, the, the the talent on the women's side was that that lasted. Sonya Deville, uh, Mandy Rose, and Chelsea Green 
we're all on that show together, but uh, the GoFundMe has far surpassed anything going, but uh, just absolutely uh, gobsmacked. Uh, Sarah Lee did not last too long after she got her NXT contract. Uh, I believe the order was that she uh, was dating Wesley and got pregnant and then just decided to be a family woman after that. But uh, were you aware of 2015 Tough Enough or was that? Uh, yeah, I was captioning at that time. Oh, that, were that, you? That, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, this this is the season I captioned. So, no, I, I, I definitely remember Sarah Lee. Was the uh, men's women quiet or the men's winter quiet storm or am I misremembering thing? Ooh. I think I'm misremembering to be honest with you, but I just remember that that Th- women. Was this a year after Velveteen Dream? No, Velveteen Dream was on that season. It was on that season. That's right. Patrick Clark was on that season yep. too. I forget yep. that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's more talent than usually comes out of a uh, bunch of people who don't have wrestling experience, tough enough. But uh, uh, yeah, I remember. It was, it was so weird the arguments people would have between uh, at, at the time Amanda, uh, who would later become Mandy Rose, and Sarah Lee as to who was the more marketable talent between the two of them. Right, right, yes, I remember that too because like Sarah Lee's whole sort of thing was like kind of like a roughnecky thing, right? Yeah, yeah, very country girl. Yeah, country girl. Uh, yeah, type of thing, <laughs> including wrestling in jorts. Which or cutoffs, Daisy Dukes, my fault. Uh, that's, a, that's a classic. Always, Vince, always so. a sign, and all yeah, and always yeah. the sign that Vince is not going to push you at all because you're a hill. No, boy. no. The, the second you get <laughs> the second you get the trailer gimmick, you're in Vince's world. You you think about all the psychological Nidia. baggage that Vince has with the trailer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, no, yeah, no. of his North Carolina time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because so I remember Nidia had that same gimmick coming out of uh, Tough Enough and just died after a while. Uh. Other news, Rob Fee, uh, eight mutual friends on Facebook for me, of uh, was hired as director of long-form creative for WWE. This is a fascinating position because they've had positions like this uh, offered before. It was you know, uh, Originally, I remember I, I applied for this a few a couple years back, I think, because it was but – they, but they said on the job, you don't get to participate – in any creative meetings or be be or you, your pitches will not be heard or something like that. So no, you, all no, you no. could do. I, I thought you, the whole gimmick uh, that you were was a continuity guy. Well, that's someone. what this is. Yeah. I think is director. It, it, it the, the problem is there. There's a. It, I think it's like director of lore and long term creative. And of course, all the anti WWE people. Oh, God, the fiend and all these other things because Rob Fee. Uh, also pitched a, a fiend movie, which WWE officials were very, very high on uh, at the time. Uh, a lot of people kind of complain about his his uh, his credentials being a little fluffed. They are because I mean the the articles say well of Marvel and Disney fame, and you know he kind of had he was a, a part of a couple of one shots as I think like a story guy or maybe even a continuity guy. But I'm I'm willing to see what this does. Um, I have a friend who currently has a similar position at Legendary which has all the IP for the, for like uh, all the Japanese monsters like Godzilla and King Kong and stuff. And he is the director. I mean, he's the guy who basically has created the character Bible for that. Um, And look, most TV shows have character Bibles and things like that to, to, so that they don't do something that's antithetical to a character, what they've done now in WWE, that'd be hell on earth 
to me if they did it. And I don't know if this guy's going to be able to. No, be able to it, pitch. but they also, it's not quite as burdensome. But like, like yeah. no, totally. Um, I, I mean, for television series, especially if you're going to do multiple seasons or whatever, you need to make sure that. Especially when you have like a an extended cast that you have the general background of all, all these characters written down far beyond what you're actually going to put on the screen, just to make sure you don't accidentally cross a wire and create some weird inconsistency that you're stuck and locked into once you finish filming it. But the nice part for WWE is if they miss a few beats here and there, it's okay, and you can always selectively edit and bring back up what matters. But like to me, what excites me about this position potentially is that maybe it will result in longer form angles starting, um, you know, meta storylines that carry on for multiple weeks and that sort of thing. And WWE seems to be moving a bit in that direction. And I think that, at least for my interest in a wrestling program, uh, there needs to be a sense of like broader story from week to week, that I'm watching the next chapter in something rather than just this week's offering. Yeah, the yin and yang are are interesting here because the good part of this is you might get, you know, someone helping the showrunner, someone forming long-term storylines and angles and things like that, you know, continuity, things that aren't against characters, et cetera, et cetera. The bad part of this is you get more and more things like the, <laughs> the former Alistair Black stories or we go deep into the fiend lore necessarily. And, uh, you know, all the fake occult and magic stuff. I know, I know there are people stuff. who don't like that, but the thing is there are people who clearly do. Yes, there are. There are. Uh, yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's spending my time trying to decipher all the fiend puzzles, but people clearly are. I'm and, fine and, with and the fiend puzzles. That. I'm, I'm no, I, just I think the... it's great. I, I, I think it's good. Anything that gets people engaged in a character. Yeah, I think it's interactive. It's, it's fine. I, I'm just talking, you know, the, you know how we had the story of the fiend and Randy Orton where he's burning down a house and <laughs> posing in front of the burned down house and all those other things. And you're just like, that's the bad part of, of WWE instincts at times. And because they do still think of themselves as, as a movie maker. So it's just one of those things where it's like, you gotta take the good with the bad, but I'm, I'm willing to give this a chance to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at AEW, <laughs> if you've been living under a rock, you, you will not uh, you will not have heard that there was a backstage uh, incident. Uh, the, there was an incident, as Kramer on Seinfeld would say, uh, between Andrade and Sammy Guevara, stemming from Andrade on a podcast, uh, basically saying he wasn't going to talk about things and then spilling the tea. When it came to Sammy Guevara complained about how hard Andrade hit him in a match. And Andrade was kind of kind of saying, hey, nobody's ever really complained about it. Uh, you know, and I've worked with guys like Cena and stuff like that. It's just hit me back type of a thing. Well, Sammy then gets on Twitter and starts saying things like, uh, oh, I'll see you on Wednesday. And then Andrade goes, yeah, you'll see me on Wednesday. And then they saw each other on Wednesday. And Andrade basically decked him, if you want, if, depending on who you believe. TMZ, very sympathetic to Andrade's side of the story, saying both both were throwing punches. Uh, Andrade sent home. Sammy, of course, was part of the main event on Wednesday, which is a interesting message to send. But, uh, yeah, and now all the rumors and blah, 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 because also on this podcast, basically Andrade was saying, hey, if I need to send feelers to the WWE, 
I can do it through my wife at any times, which I'm sure ruffled a few feathers. And I believe Sammy also tweeted that uh, Andrade was nothing but a jobber who couldn't get over now in two companies. Always great. Sammy, look, I, I also take the point of view that maybe Sammy's trying to angle for a way out at times because he's good friends with, with Cody. If he's not, he has a history of problematic issues with coworkers, shall we say. Um, but yes, uh, and of course, it's up to Tony Khan now to clean up this entire mess. Chris, your thoughts? Well, that's where we need to begin. Tony Khan. So here we are again, talking <laughs> about a situation that was coming up. And you could see it up ahead on the highway. And Tony Khan just let it come into view until the car hit the obstacle in the road head on once again. This is all aired out in public and Khan needs to get a lid on this stuff. Once you start seeing all these exchanges, the idea that he's completely oblivious to it, I don't really believe it, but if you do believe it, then what does that say about like the inner workings in terms of management of AEW that they're like not aware of this very public beef that like is more or less like, want to fight on Wednesday? Yeah, sure, sounds good. Let's fight on Wednesday. Okay, see you on Wednesday for the fight. Uh, yeah, like, you know, 20 seconds after this first tweet went out, there should have been a text in Sammy's yes. phone going, you delete this and shut up. Delete this immediately. <laughs> or you're if, fired. If, if AEW people aren't getting this to Khan and going, hey, this just got tweeted out, uh, and Khan's not sending off that tweet, that's uh that's a big problem and, and i'm gonna go one step further a little bit speculative here but I, but just connecting a few dots here uh especially the nature of the beef and khan's relationship with sammy guevara i would say he's too cozy with this worker uh this employee of his going to the guy's wedding um I, they're, they're clearly friendly and the beef here that Sammy is, you know, trying to like vent on is, oh, you want to leave Tony Khan to go to AEW. You want to betray Tony. He's not saying it like that, but like in between the lines, that's sort of what's going on here. And it sure is interesting that as a result of these little beats, uh, Sammy Guevara still manages to be on TV and gets, you know, the gets a featured match he's in the main event he gets the pinfall he wins um i i just like this to me is a big failure of tony khan before we ever get into you know sammy andrade the nature of their beef sammy as a sustaining problematic figure oh last part here though that's worth thinking about uh, at the same time as the Sammy Guevara thing's happening, uh, you know, who is getting increased influence in the backstage? Chris Jericho, who is one of Jericho's, you know, buddy buddies. Well, that would be that would be none other than Sammy Guevara. So don't think I don't know, man. I'm just like looking at all this stuff and wondering, was Khan low key okay with Sammy beefing with Andrade because it was like, uh, you know, kind of weirdly cathartic for Tony. And if so, as a huge management failure. Now that's speculative. Uh, let, let's let's end that thought with this is again a speculative thought. But 
This is a guy, Tony Khan, who has a clear issue with being able to manage his company. Way too okay with backstage conflict. And not any good at diffusing it. Not any good at diffusing it at all. And when you're thinking about the outlook of this company for year four and onward, so much of this goes to the question of, does Tony Khan figure out how to be a better manager than this? Um, If yes, the future can be brighter. If no, I think the future is fairly bleak. I think you can only have so many of these little blow-ups before you really start damaging the company. To steal a bit from Rich Bakai or Rick Bakai, I forgot the Rich Bakai, I think it was his name, or Nick Bakai, it's Nick Bakai, dummy, uh, called the tale of the tape from ESPN from years back. Uh, lest anybody think I am being more sympathetic to Andrade than I am to uh, Sammy Guevara, push. There are no winners here. Andrade, far be it from me to say that a guy in a faction called Los Ingobernables becoming ungovernable might have an attitude problem. <laughs> uh, yes, he has. It, been... It's also not lost on me the irony that he is currently involved in a contract tape, like tampering, like storyline on screen. Yes, yes, because we're using that. We're using real life heat for our angles backstage, which might then feed the real life heat. Oh, look, it's a Tesla coil of suck. It's just, Andrade has been a malcontent almost everywhere he's worked. It's it's one of those things where this is who he is, and he's going to defend himself because he's the product. And you, you kind of understand that. God knows if he ends up leaving and Roosh has just signed, how Roosh is going to act now. You know, it, it's and Bandito just signed. Which I, you know, that's a story for later, but but whatever. But then you get over to Sammy, and Sammy, you know, Sammy had the incident with Sasha Banks. Sammy had the incident with Impact Wrestling, where he was lent out and then didn't want to do the job. Had the incident a few weeks ago with Eddie Kingston, and now here we are. <laughs> Just like, yeah. And again, it, it's you're you're exactly correct. This is this is a I need to set the corporate tone type of thing that this kind of crap will not be tolerated. Because everybody else looks at it and goes, well, let's see how far I can push it to now. And it's just... Uh, and if, if you're still looking at the CM Punk, Bucks, and Omega thing and thinking it was Punk or the Bucks or Omega who is the clear like main source of the problem, I don't, I can't help you at this point. Like, this is... this The buck stops with Khan. And if He's you, the guy. And the other thing is, if that thing is dealt with swiftly, this stuff probably doesn't happen. Right, right. By by, and this is this is a ripple effect of Tony Khan presenting weakness in the face of that. Oh yeah, he's got everyone suspended. Oh, this is so strong. Um, like it, but like it now, the more that suspension goes on, the weaker that looks. Now I get that some of that's because there's a pending lawsuit and all of that, but it just he he is projecting weakness. Uh, I, I, on a constant level and it, it makes it really hard for me to like think about the outlook of this company with in any other context and like does Khan figure out a way to overcome this steady projection of weakness yeah. I don't know that he does moving on far be it from or not far be it uh unbeknownst to me I did not realize that WWE had a season 
But apparently, next week is the season premiere. No, they do. Of- yeah, they do. No, I, th- this I did know. Well, I know they have seasons, but usually, you know, they always do this in the fall, which is right. which is ridiculous because right. it's not like a real TV. Sh- the time their season should reset is right after WrestleMania because that's right. when everything is blown off. But no, and we're getting new broadcast teams. SmackDown team, which will start on October 7th, which is tonight for those who haven't watched yet in Worcester, Massachusetts, will be Michael Cole and Wade Barrett with Samantha Irvin as ring announcer and Caleb Braxton and Megan Morant doing the backstage interviews. Pat McAfee will rejoin the team in January after college foosball is over, but it's not clear whether or not it will be a three-man booth or not. Over on Raw, Kevin Patrick replacing Jimmy Smith as the lead announcer on Raw with the October 10th show at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Jimmy Smith let go by the promotion. Wow. Yeah. Corey Graves will remain as the color commentator while Byron Saxon will be removed from commentary and moved to being a backstage interview along with the returning Kathy Kelly, who's who's coming back. Vic Joseph and Booker T will be the commentators on NXT with Mackenzie Mitchell handling backstage duties and Alicia Taylor being ring announcer. Also coming out today, Nigel McGuinness let go by the company. Chris, since it's obvious you had not heard this about Jimmy Smith, uh, your thoughts on the new broadcast teams? Jimmy Smith, I I think, really did a fantastic job. I agree. There, I fully agree. I I, I know, like, like that. It sounds really a fantastic. No, a fantastic job. I they they had tried that Adnan Verk thing. Yes, It, it crashed and burned. They at that particular moment, so desperately needed somebody to come in and stabilize that booth and actually get the role. And Smith, within a month, like fit like you know, hand and glove, dude. I I, I think no, he he actually started to get looser too. Uh, you yes. know, yeah. As as time went on, when McMahon to, left, he got looser. Yeah, he started to establish rapport with uh, the guy. I I just thought Jimmy Smith was. Uh, a, a a very very good announcer uh very gifted i had to warm up to him a bit admittedly because i just thought he was just oh he's so vanilla he's not bringing oh i didn't think he it. was gonna last either and then like yeah. he, he completely won me over i i, I, he, yeah, he, I you know where he won superlatives you know where he won me over was the technical aspects of fighting that he brought into the wrestling commentary i thought he was very good at doing that because he's an mma guy so he could do those types of things i thought he was really good at that um i i'm a little shocked that he was let go overall because i mean he's he was so new to the job uh you can tell that this is not vince mcmahon running the show anymore because he would never let a guy like kevin patrick be his lead play-by-play guy on his a show this is the but, british guy right uh the irish guy yeah the irish guy yeah yeah, I, uh, yeah sorry guys uh you know the, the irish yeah no I, I mean he's a fine backstage presence but like lead announcer on yes Raw. I, on I'm, the a I, show I, I, i'm like uh, he, I've just never heard. I mean, maybe he gets in the booth and he just has a presence that I I am, have missed backstage. But thinking about his voice as the lead voice in the booth, it doesn't work for me, dog. He is perfectly fine as a backstage happy-go-lucky type of backstage. He's Irish Byron. Yes. No, that pretty much nails it right there. Uh, I can't, I can't do a better comparison there. He is Irish Byron, exactly. He, he, yeah, okay. I'm not even gonna try and try and explain that. Uh, the one that that I hate absolutely 
is actually one of the better commentary teams overall. Three-fourths of them are great. Vic Joseph is great. Mackenzie Mitchell is fantastic. I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know how much people watch of her and her reactions to people when they say things, but as a Dasha bot, she is one of the best that they've ever had doing the gig because she reacts to things. She's almost to the point of pushing back on things at times, even though she's not really allowed to, but uh, her mannerisms are just absolutely fantastic. And Alicia Taylor is just absolutely solid as a ring announcer for NXT and really sets a tone for them. Booker T stinks on commentary. He's terrible. He's dreadful. And the fact so bad i used to caption him jeff like he's oh, God. no 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 Thoughts no like prayers, i I, I know booker t's commentary very 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 well he is not good at it like like all he's got he came up with the i was captioning him when he came up with the shucky, shucky ducky duck quack quack, quack quack which he yes. took from 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 terrible comedian shucky duck yeah yeah there you go yes, there, yes. you know no like i i Remember when he first ran that thing up the flagpole and decided that it flew? Uh, no, he he's he's startlingly ungifted at commentary. <laughs> it's striking, really. <laughs> I just thought, okay, within three weeks, they're going to know that he's not good at this and he needs help. And they're going to want to bring in Nigel to help him because Nigel is there, man, and he ain't doing nothing. And he was great on NXT when he was there. But it's just, and then they'd say, oh, we released him too. I'm like, dude, if he can get cleared to wrestle again, AEW will be thankful to have him, especially with this Ring of Honor resurgence type of thing. Oh, and by the way, on the Shucky Duck thing, if you ever want something, go listen to a video on YouTube. But I think it's Jim Norton and a couple other comedians talking about Shucky Duck and uh, Hamburger Jones. I don't know if you're aware of Hamburger Jones from Deaf Comedy Jam. Where he, all his transits were hamburger. Yes, <laughs> hamburger. Yes, yes. There's a hamburger. No, like he's basically a wrestling gimmick more than yes, a he is. He's totally yeah. a wrestling. He is a delivery comic. Totally. Yes. He has no material, but all he no has hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> yeah. No. And like I, it's it. It's hard to explain why it's even funny, but it's one of it's, these things. He gets it over. I, like, yes, like, it's one of those things like the essential getting it over. The stuff. first three times you don't like it, and then like on the hundred, on, on like the fourteenth time, it's just become so ridiculous. You're laughing at it. It's it's the law of uh, Steve Martin. I think calls it the law of threes or three hundreds. He yes. is the law of three hundreds because hamburger. <laughs> Like, it, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it, it just like everything comes back around a hamburger and it does, which, which I, because it's such a nonsensical phrase, it doesn't make it. it it's such a strange. Thing. I am going to be very interested who in their Rolodex they can possibly bring in to help Booker T on commentary because they don't because <laughs> they don't have anybody on the roster. They don't have anybody on the roster on the color side because all I think is like Beth Phoenix. God help us. Uh, Beth Beth Phoenix Booker T makes Beth Phoenix <laughs> seem like mean Gene Okerlund. 
Beth Phoenix screaming random run-on sentences, Booker T. Oh, you know, I I like her. <laughs> just 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 saying heelish things as a babyface commentator and, and his I mean, yeah, no, his, no, yes. Yeah, sometimes he'll be like, sometimes you need to cheat, and you're like, wait, what? I'm okay. Let, let let's speculate. Who do they put on commentary as a third person who is in system or somebody they can bring in? So, like, yeah. you know, how about how long does Booker last? Is the real question here. I'm going to say under a month. Booker I don't. Is, no, you think Booker? Okay, I he think does he does sometimes land these jobs and stay there way beyond no, any the, reason. No, they keep him and they add a third person to the booth because remember they they did this on SmackDown with him, I think, or or Raw. I can't remember. He was like he was the second guy, and then they added a third guy really really quickly. Right. And right. then they and then they and then and and then then eventually he got fired when they reshuffled again. Uh, I am gonna. I'll go out on a limb because he's a because he's at the performance center. I'll say Road Dog ends up on commentary along with along with Booker T to help him within a uh, month. Maybe what? Who? Who's that little like Vic stunt double? Uh, Shaw or whatever. oh, the the guy who does NXT Level Up. Yeah, he's a play by play guy though. You think they'd put him on? They might put him on color. They do that. I bet just Saxton might end up there again because he was there this week. Yeah, so, I know you could totally have Byron there, and then and and have he'd take Booker's... the second check. Trust yep, me. Yep, yep, he would. Yeah, he he would do it. And I mean, uh, the Byron character is. I, yes, I think Byron ends up back on commentary relatively quickly. Dan Lambert in an interview said that uh, leaving AEW was his decision, uh, and and that he run his course. I am one of those people who I'm going to miss Dan Lambert. Because I think he could—he's one of the guys who could be funny, but also get real heat with his with his promos. Some of it was cheap at times. Don't get me wrong, but compared to both Stokely, who I love, I love Stokely, but he doesn't have a sense of menace about him. And then you bring in Nana, and I love me some Prince Nana, friend of the show, Prince Nana, <laughs> or at least friend of me to remind me that he's going to be on TV whenever he's on TV. So that's always nice of Prince Nana to self-promote to me. But, uh, you know, he was always, I mean, look, he was a bit, he was, he was less comedy than the other guys. Don't get me wrong. his comedy. And this, this company has a problem with comedy managers at times, but I always liked Dan Lambert as a manager. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Dan Lambert as a manager was very good. And especially when you are looking at Even right now with the M with the weird thing they're trying to do with MJF in this storyline, Dan Lambert would actually be the better foil for MJF. Uh, a foil a, or accompaniment? Both. Okay. Like, the whole idea right now. Foil threw me off right there because he's a no, heel. I mean, right, right, right. But they're doing this whole thing where like MJF's having a bit of a crisis of confidence, a little bit like not maybe not slotting in as easily back into his old factiony ways. Like yeah. if that's the story they're trying to tell, um, and, and that's a, it's an if, but it's kind of what I got from uh, this week's dynamite. Thinking about Lambert. Lambert with like his boomerinet or his boomer nature would be really perfect like to be you know kind of yelling at MJF and have the age gap thing be part of the wedge here. Oh, okay. I can see that then. Yeah, whereas to your point about Stokely, he just doesn't have a really well-defined character at this point and it's like being MJF's henchman isn't really doing anything for this guy. He's not really that and we'll talk about that in the lazy river. Um, once we get to it, but uh, <laughs> uh, Gable Stevenson now 
full-time at the PC after having a uh, procedure for what is called Wolfheart. His brother killing it right now. Uh, oh, he's great. So, oh, that'll, he's great. So, that, so that'll be interesting. We'll, we'll talk a little Damon I am so here River. for the Stevesons versus the Creeds. <laughs> I, they, they are getting me so fired Hose up for this me. match. Pose me for dude, that, baby. Dude, I know. I like Julius and Damon. That is stars. That is stars. That is Steiner Brothers versus Varsity Club. Like, I mean, oh, that man. is. But, but, like, but if both of them could talk. Like, yes. To yes. have like yeah, no like the, the, to have that level of like physicality paired with just like actually compelling and interesting character work from the both of them like oh it's 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 such a treat. Follow up to a story last week, uh, the documentary on Vice: Nine Lives of Vince McMahon will be airing on Tuesday, October eighteenth, which is also the night of NXT Halloween Havoc and also the night of AE Dynamite being on Tuesday. So, so it's going to be Sophie's choice for your DVRs, kids. Uh, but yeah, a two-hour documentary called The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon. Uh, and I'll, of course, keep you guys posted on any gigs I have coming up on that week. <laughs> uh, of interest to old school people like me, Ricky Steamboat's match on November 27th in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Dorton Arena for big-time wrestling was announced as FTR and Ricky Steamboat versus Jay Lethal, Brock Anderson, and a mystery partner managed by Arn Anderson. It's got to be Tully. Has to be Tully, right? Legend and legend. Uh, this will be Steamboat's first match since he teamed with his son in a 2010 match in WWE Developmental. The Rock and Roll Express's last match in Raleigh, also announced for that card, against Mark and Jay Briscoe. Dude, if, if plane tickets weren't so expensive due to the gas right now, that is Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday. I would oh, be in Raleigh. Dude, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that man, Ricky Morton is just at any age is just such a treat. Yes. Like, yeah, he's he. I can't he wait for those promos. I cannot wait so for awesome. the for the Briscoes to cut a promo on the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, this is gonna be so fantastic. Yes, like the Briscoes, like I, I, I expect Jay to basically say, like, I intend to bury you, old man. Like, yes. I, I, yeah, I'm into it. I'm so here for this. Yeah, I am too. And and in me teeing up a softball for Chris for some kind of a joke, Bobby Fish announces making his debut as a pro boxer on November 13th at a show in Dubai that is headlined by Floyd Mayweather Jr. exhibition. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Fish who had, I love this. Fish who had when he throws a kick. Yeah, fish who had amateur MMA fights when he was younger will be 46 later this month. <laughs> that dude, I, okay. I can't make an appropriate joke. I really can't. I just, I no, 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 thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 I don't have a lot. Uh, oh, yeah, Bobby Fish. In transaction news, turns out Bandito has signed his offer with AEW. He's coming into the company full time, I believe. Jake Hager also looking forward to watching a physically talented man who is no good at promos die in the middle of the card. That will be a refreshing and new thing oh. on my television screen. You don't think Bandito gets over? You don't think Bandito and like I mean like Takesh does coming back later this month too. He can't right. cut a promo. Yes, yes, and everybody loves them for two to three months, upwards of six. Yes, and then it's time to push them, and then right. they can't talk. Right, yeah. 
Right. Like, like we, we've seen this movie countless times and I get it. We, uh, these people come in and they, they do a fantastic job in this spot. And it's, it's like almost like the classic, uh, failure inside of organizations where you promote someone one rank above where they should actually be at. Yeah. They did such a good job at the other role. Like these people are perfect to come in for three months, do a thing, work an angle and then go on. Um, but the idea that, like, you know, you can have a talented dude who can't talk and just write your way around this every single week, week in, week out, like, it, it no, it, it becomes a problem yeah. at some point you, or another. I mean, we know what we're going to get. We're going to get the, oh, we're having competitive feuds and matches with people in the best of three or whatever. Oh, they you know, they're both trying to be. Day, the... And one day they're out there against MJF and MJF Wheeler neuters this guy yes. on TV. Yes. Yes, pretty much. And it's one of those things where it's like all the hardcore say, Oh, this is so great. And we're all saying, well, it'd be great if they build because look, I watched tales from the territories uh, on vice this week. It was about Memphis. There's a lot of, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, ball washing each other. Um, uh, around the round table. But one thing they said at the very beginning, and Jerry Jarrett said, I'd pump my fist. It's like, look, wrestling is all about personal ass animosity that is a few that builds feuds to draw money. And I agree. It's all about personal animosity. And if you can't talk, it's hard to show that personal animosity unless, unless you do like really bad beatdowns on people. So, yeah, I know uh, that, that really does cut to the core of like, why do these guys flounder? It's because yes. they are unable to express themselves. And animus is an important part yes. of this. And facializations, I mean, in particular, uh, if you can't speak and you're under a mask, then your best bet would be to have great facializations. But even those can only get you so far. Well, which is why Vince takes masks off of luchadors and it drives us nuts. But, you know, it's one of those. Well, things no, I mean, the, the problem there is Bischoff. that. Vin, well, no, I, I what Vince should be doing. And I, I wanted to make sure that no one takes this the wrong way. But like if, if you're like looking at like, oh, I need to get this guy to connect. Right. Do I take the mask off or, or do, do I, I get, get this manager? guy? <laughs> g give him a manager or do I get this guy into some English classes so that yeah. He can be better at line delivery so that we can use him in confrontational engagements that require emotional transference so that this guy is just better at these beats. I love wacky zany Asuka. Um, and, and sometimes <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy her non-sequiturial dancing and like, like the fact that she clearly has no idea what's going on. Yes. <laughs> but there are also times, Jeff, where it's clear she literally has no idea what's yes. being said right no, now. No, I agree. And, and it's, 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 oh, it's heartbreaking at times because then they, they don't build her up as a silent killer. Anyway, right. Which is what she should be right now because she's dancing Oscar, entertaining the fans and making people smile. Also announced by Chris Jericho on his podcast, uh, in, or was it an interview? I forget what it was, but Jake Hager's also signed an extension. <laughs> well, you know, that guy, uh, this, <laughs> no, this roster is getting a little bit thin right now, Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, you got a lot yeah. of belts. Good point. You, need, you got a lot of belts and you need contenders. Well, you need to fill ROH. Right. <laughs> I, this is a hot product. I hear more and more about the Ring of Honor these days. <laughs> so does Wade Keller. Uh, rating stuff, just to get it out of the way. AEW Dynamite, pretty good number. One, 1, 1,038,000.33. Number two in cable originals in 18 to 49. 
I believe it was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which is just a juggernaut you're never going to beat, was number one. NXT, 625,000, number 30 in cable originals. Raw, bit of a low number, but, you know, it's Monday Night Football season. That's always going to happen. Uh, 159, almost 1.6 million. Number seven in terms of cable originals in the demo. How does that compare year over year? I feel like that that would almost be the more interesting thing. Because I feel like they're a little bit up. From there, they yeah, were like they were up ago. they were up the past few weeks. Uh, hour three took a nosedive this week because the game was became close, so everybody turned to the game. Of course, uh, this is their lowest rating at least since July fourth in terms of that. So they built on it. I, I just don't have the year over year numbers. SmackDown two point two million point five four number two among broadcast primetime and cable originals so smackdown doing pretty darn well for itself uh compared to raw rampage four hundred seventy two thousand, uh number nine in cable originals so yeah and I, I guess what that probably says too for for people who are trying to read into that raw number is these people are probably catching up with what happened on raw in some way, shape, or form, even if they're not watching it yes. because there is a live sporting event that's on. Uh, yes. you know, yeah, so that, that, that's my only takeaway there. And that'll do it for the news bag. Chris, tell us a little bit about HelloFresh. Oh, my God, Jeffrey. I thought you would never ask. I thought this whole show was going to be, yet again, a way for you to talk about your childhood through the veil of wrestling. But no, we have an opportunity to talk about HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? You yell it at your radio every week. Sometimes you're driving. You don't know. Your radio. Yes. Okay, boomer. No, they plug into the USB port, jerk, (laughs) and then it comes through their speakers, and they call it radio. That's what they call it. You had a Hawkins moment there. Just admit it. I didn't. No, no. I was relevant. You're, once again, being negative. (laughs) This is childhood transference. With HelloFresh, Jeffrey, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Subscribe to HelloFresh and check open quote, save money, close quote, off your fall to-do list. I know, you had it on there. You're like, save money, bother Hawkins, listen to Shake Them Ropes, sub up to the Patreon, go down to Aders on Saturday, save money, a little bit vague, but you can get rid of this one. HelloFresh is here. It's 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. Time to cozy up and save money. By cooking at home, fall is the perfect time to experience delicious taste and unparalleled convenience of HelloFresh. Jeffrey and I tried HelloFresh at one point earlier in the year, and the experience was wonderful. It was easy. It was fun. We made meals. It was filling. I liked the burger recipe. Jeffrey did as well. Who do I cook HelloFresh with? Not Jeffrey, because he never comes and sees me. Now, if you are interested in HelloFresh, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-65. Whoa. Not 16 anymore. No. Val 65. You use the code. 
Vow, 65. What is that for? You ask? You're saying it out loud. Why is that number so high? It's 65% off free shipping or plus free shipping. 65% off plus free shipping. 65% off free shipping. That is also, no, well, still included. So just one more time here, just to make sure you update the offer card that surely you have in your vehicle. You write this down whenever you hear a good promo code on the radio. On the radio. Yeah, on the radio. (laughs) Hello, Fresh. Go to your browser, type in HTTP colon backslash backslash www.hellofresh.com slash VOW65. Use that code VOW65, V-O-W-65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Hello, Fresh, America's number one meal kit. Oh, the voice of an angel. Thank you. Thank you. HelloFresh. No, that was a hell of a read. There, feel Chris. free to harmonize. Run that back if you want, listeners, and feel free to harmonize with that. Send <laughs> oh, it I thought you were telling me to harmonize. Right no, now. you could like, too. If you, we can take I, another pass at it. Let's not. Because okay, I, I that's fine. No, it's fine. We had those other things. You're trying my patience. It's okay. I'm not trying patience. <laughs> I swear to God. Anyways, now, kids, the lazy river of wrestling criticism, as if we haven't wandered off the beach enough. <laughs> Anything we watched this week, uh, I already took off one of my things with Tales from the Territories, but uh, we start on the beach before we get into the shallow water with a preview of this weekend's WWE Extreme Rules. The one time a year, (laughs) except for all the others, that WWE gets extreme. Kind of a brave card, if you think about it, Chris. I'll put it in this uh, aspect. The two main eventing matches, or two of the three main eventing matches, are the for the women's or for the two women's titles, and the other being Riddle and Rollins, but no Roman Reigns on this show. So it'll be a very interesting experiment to see who watches on Saturday. It is Saturday, not Sunday, from Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Starting with what I think might steal the show: six-man tag team, good old-fashioned Donnybrook match whatever the hell that means, between the Brawling Brutes, Seamus Ridgeholland and Butch, versus Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Oh, this is going to slap. <laughs> I mean, look, there's, there's, uh, I haven't been keeping up with what's on SmackDown because it's started right now, but we're having a Gunther-Seamus rematch on there. I assume it will not be pay-per-view level because I assume it's going to just devolved down into all six brawling to do this hard sell for the pay-per-view. But look, these six are manly men doing manly things to each other, and I'm here for it. WWE sneakily has got a lot of like hard-hitting feuds, like either just starting or like in the early stages of getting ready to start, like we mentioned uh, the Creeds and, and the Stevesons. This brawling brutes versus Imperium thing it is heating up. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think we've reached anywhere near peak heat with these guys yet. And, and it, I just, I think it belies Levesque's vision of a more physical style. Uh, and this, this is sort of like these guys are very much his fingerprints, definitely. So yes, I think this match is going to get time, and it is going to slap, as the kids say. Who you got winning? I got Imperium winning. Okay. 
I think Imperium should win, but I think, man, I could see this opening the, the card and they're going to want people to be happy about it. So I think the Brawling Brutes win this. They pin Giovanni Vinci. Okay. I think, I think that's how the, how it goes. Or Kaiser. They're, they're, or Ki- yeah, or Kaiser, because they're really working on Butch being... I think they're eventually going to change him back into Pete Dunne. Don't yeah, it's that. true. We're trying to reestablish Butch. So maybe this match runs through our boy Butch. Main but event I think Butch. he gets the win. Main event Butch gets the win here, I think. And that'll and trust me, in Philly, that'll go over great. Yeah. It will. And no, and he was already getting the bruiserweight treatment and mm-hmm. stuff too. The in crowd, NXT this week, yeah. Yes, the crowd wants Pete Dunn. They don't want Butch. Edge versus Finn Balor with Judgment Day, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley in an I Quit match. I'll go on this one. This is going to be story time, and it's going to be convoluted. And somehow they're going to threaten Dominic Mysterio, the Judgment Day is, as a ruse to get Ray to beg Edge to quit. That's what I'm going with. So Finn Balor wins in something that makes us all groan. That's my opinion. Edge gets tricked into quitting. Yes. Yeah, feels right. Or coerced by Ray somehow. Yeah, no, because I, I think the other thing here is long-term... Are they done with Judgment Day? And I think the answer is clearly no. Uh, Judgment Day is a faction that is still very much got a lot of tread left on the tires. Such a crazy statement to say. Dare I say, possibly we get Ray and AJ Styles coming down here to even things up. And because I'm, I'm actually enjoying the 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 Finn AJ stuff. Maybe yeah, no, AJ and, turns. And at, that, at that point, Judgment Day could get a new member. I, I got I got a pitch for it. Slapjack. <laughs> Uh, and I'm kind of interested in Rhea Ripley being the leader of Judgment Day, being the driving force yeah, in it. I mean, yeah, she would be a second choice to Slapjack. Uh, a slapjack. Yes. Slapjack. Yes. Stop. He's the mastermind. <laughs> He's not coming back. <laughs> Ever. Stop saying that. Stop saying, I don't want to hear and that. And if he is, it's, it's in the form of a boomerang, thanks to his former gimmick, which is Crocodile Dundee Outback Slapjack. And you're not going to get the Slapjack name on there. It's just going to be him as this bad Australian. <laughs> I don't want the man who played Slapjack. Oh, yes, I want do. Slapjack. You're in love with the man who played I him. want Slapjack. I don't want I don't want the, the, the guy who played him. You know, it's like, that's like, you don't want to hang out with the dude who works in the Mickey Mouse suit when you go to Disneyland. You want to go and hang out with Mickey Mouse. This is how I feel about Slapjack. I'm not trying to hang out with uh shane <laughs> thorn shane thorn yeah. yeah no no i want slapjack back speaking of slapping drew mcintyre versus carrying cross with scarlet in a strap match i god help me please do not do not let this be the four corners type of strap match the, the, this is my concern is that this might oh. be two story times in a row right like because if this is the match that wyatt comes back during Oh my God! Could could you imagine them not just having this be like the NWA strap matches, where it's just you have you're connected with a strap and you try and beat somebody, and you get it's it's the four corners type of thing, and Scarlet ends up or or Bray ends. Oh dear Lord! But that's uh, what's uh, uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm gonna say Cross wins this. Yes, 
So then maybe I need to like think about the retribution thing and maybe edge does beat Balor. Okay. But, like, that's not the end of it. I, yeah. I, I don't know. It seems weird to have the heels go over in story two times in a row. That's the I only way that may hesitate. I don't think Finn come or I don't think fiend comes back in the carrying cross match. I think he comes back in another match and we'll be on it in a second, but in a fight pit match with Daniel Cormier, who's always been interested in WWE serving as the special guest referee, Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins. How do you see this, Chris? I got Rollins winning. I got Rollins winning via Daniel Cormier doing something to Riddle. I think this is, I think this show is going to be overbooked as hell. And I think, I think we're going to turn on Papa H for a week, but I I think, uh, I think Seth Rollins wins. And I think Daniel Cormier gets brought in to do a little bit of training and leads up to a WrestleMania match with Matt Riddle. That all sounds right to me. Okay. Uh, Oh, let's do, okay. Let's do the Raw Women's Championship. Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss and, uh, or with Alexa Bliss and Asuka taking on Aunt Pam with Damage Control, Dakota Kai and Io Sky. <laughs> did did me saying Alexa Bliss set off your Alexa? Or is that No. Me? No. Oh, I, that's mine. <laughs> that's yours. That's I have oh, my yeah, headphones yeah. on. No, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, screw you. Uh <laughs> I can't say that that loud. Um Shut up. No. I gotta yell at I gotta yell at my spy. This is this is what Alexa Bliss does with her doll. This uh, is a, I, this is a, So this is I think this could be also where the fiend makes his debut. This is I, where the fiend makes his debut. Uh yeah, I, I mean like certainly. Um I I'm gonna say damage control wins this because Oh Jesus, like, it started playing music. Hold on, I gotta go for a sec. Bam. Yeah, I'm gonna say damage control. <laughs> probably ends up winning this match and so then when we're thinking about the predictions here uh, the one thing that i hesitate on slightly is just that we've got the heels going over we've got storyline multiple times in a row here and i don't know uh when we were thinking about long-form booking that uh, this is potentially the one issue with long-form <laughs> booking right when we're thinking about doing something like that you do maybe run into junctions where you have essentially three of the same thing happening in a row here you have in the opening match with uh, judgment day and edge heels going over in a storyline based fashion in the second match we also have heels going over in a storyline based fashion and then in this one especially with the re-debut of alexa or of the fiend potentially and ha- having implications for Alexa Bliss, it feels as though damage control will also go over here as yes. well. Yes. And so, that, I mean, uh, right now, uh, uh, what I was saying to the listeners while you we were fighting with technology <laughs> is that we have three storyline heavy matches in which the heels seem to be going over. Yeah. I, boy, did I not, lo- I mean, it was okay, but the, the Bailey go home promo, I, y'all know I love me some Aunt Pam. I do. I just wish she was less of the ding dong hello Bailey in this role, because it feels like Damage Control isn't getting over as a vicious squad. They're getting over as kind of a 
you know, they're they're good wrestlers, but they're gonna lose here and there type of squad. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, they're they're not dominating. Yes, they are not. They are not a dominant faction to then put baby faces against. They are kind of a they're 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 a mid card B villain faction that you're kind of waiting for like Becky Lynch to come in and run through. Which you know, I think I think people of the talent level of Bailey and EO deserve deserve a higher calling than that. Uh, I, I think the fiend shows up here. I think Alexa bliss is drawn to her. It distracts everybody Bailey, you know, and then, and then it allows EO and Dakota to, to be two on two versus Bianca and Asuka while Bailey climbs the ladder and she wins the title. Mm. Mm. Who did you have winning? No, I have the heels winning. Oh yeah, Bailey winning also. Yeah, yeah, I I, I got Bailey winning. And then we yeah. and then we set up Bailey to probably get beat by Becky Lynch, which I mean I think Bailey deserves a WrestleMania main event. She's the only horsewoman who hasn't had one. She you know she was a host when she was at her hottest. It was just ridiculous. And then she had the pandemic stuff. But you know this isn't about deserve. It's about money. And they still think Ronda versus Becky is is a, is the money match for Mania. So we'll see. Speaking of which, Liv Morgan, the champion, versus Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think Liv retains here. I think Ronda probably wins at Survivor Series. Or that there's... I mean, it's it's weird. Either of these women's belts could change hands in that, in that women's war games match, and they could make the stipulation for whoever gets the pin becomes the champion type of a thing just to breed dissension within the two teams ranks as to, you know, getting people in there or not. I don't know though. I could very well see Ronda Rousey winning this match while Liv puts up a noble effort of seeming tough and they put it over hard on commentary. And it's just, Hey, that was your first title reign. Let's see if we can build you up as a real character and see if you can uh, be marketable. But personally, I'd keep this on Liv Morgan because I just don't like Ronda Rousey as champ, to be honest, and she doesn't really need it. She's always a presence of being a badass. So. Yeah, there's just no value added into putting the belt back onto Ronda, especially right now. I, I would have it on Liv and have like you know, even Liv and Bailey sort of feuding. You know, well, a... let me let me give you the the plan. I think is for Ronda and Becky for a title unification, much like. To, to then crown one of them, probably Becky, as the quote-unquote Roman Reigns. I see. I see. Does make that change Becky, your mind? Ma- make her Becky two belts again? Yes. Let's see where Becky's popularity level is when she gets back, but that just feels like something I've seen before. Yeah, they're basically running it, running that story back. Yeah, it seems like a movie I've seen before and not a movie I necessarily felt like, oh, man, you know, they were un told stories left here gotta like i don't have that feeling i'll do one better i think Liv beats ronda here somehow but it's to help set up a a a charlotte feud somewhere i think charlotte's coming back to take this title off of Liv at some point so so we'll see i I, i'll just i'll be very interested to see how this show does i'll be able to see i'll be very interested to see if they overbook it or not because it feels like i mean all of us it i mean every match we've been through we've overbooked it to a point where I wouldn't want to watch this show. <laughs> and they, because the, we know these, these quote unquote overbookings feel like very 
necessary things yes. that need to happen inside of these matches and because they don't want to be underbook anybody. it well no to underbook it would make these matches feel like what would be the point of uh damage control versus the three baby faces without like some sort of fiend thing really like, if you want, if you want to make Bailey really strong, go over Bianca clean with the with the ladder match. I mean that that would be the thing to do, right? But I mean they, they they've also already weakened up that team so much going yes. into this with Oscar sporting the foot injury. So yeah, yeah, that, that's very very true. But uh, we'll see. So that ends our preview section. Now, anything you want to talk about in wrestling, we can do it. Chris, you go. Uh hmm. I feel like we've basically covered the WWE side yes. here, more or less. Uh, other than continue to love the Sami Zayn, yes, uh, and Bloodline stuff, just just really really good stuff. Um, Braun Strowman, it's like they're doing the Wardlow push with Braun Strowman. Uh, like, I, I will say that the Wardlow match this week against Cage was more of a step in the right direction than not in the right direction and about as good of a match as you're going to get out of cage did you uh, like did you like the way that they were kind of doing can you top this in terms of big guys doing small guy moves did that yeah yeah i i mean look uh that is cage's mo that is anyways cage's MO. Like, like look this is what the guy does he's a huge guy who does rather incoherent matches uh in terms of storytelling i thought that he you know, was uh, as giving as I've ever seen him in terms of selling for mm -hmm. Wardlow, uh, with the exception of after taking the Powerbomb Symphony, somehow he manages to get back up to his feet in relatively short order, which made me <laughs> laugh. <laughs> like, like, Gotta get my heat back, brother. No, I, it, it, that, that cracked me up. Like, no, no, no. Dude, you're obliterated. You're dead. You're like, dead. Kick, the whole it's the yeah. Bobby Fish kicking out a three thing, yeah. Yeah, no, in this case, he got pinned, but he was, like, back on his feet within 10 seconds and, yeah. like, uh, doing a beatdown, and, like, that should not have been happening. Um, look, I, I I think it's a better pairing for Wardlow than what he's been getting, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm thinking, like, with Strowman, it seems like they're just doing a much better job doing a very similar story with this guy. I am going to uh, criticize AEW a little bit um, from a different perspective. It's from the TV writing perspective. And when you're outlining a show in terms of beats and stuff like that, you you don't want two similar beats on, on, on a show back to back unless it's a pattern setting up to something in the last part of the show. And what I mean by this is that both the MJF firm dealings and the Jay Lethal Sanjay Dutt story and the matches within were both the same thing. And that should not be happening on a professional wrestling show where you have 50 years of so history weird. to steal from. You have all sorts of things to steal from in this. But instead, it's 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 the reluctant heel saying no, no, no in two different segments. And then it doesn't really pay off in the end unless you count that Chris Jericho looking a little bit guilty about hitting Daniel Garcia with the belt at the end of the show, which I don't think was worth either the overrun or the... <laughs> Or the melodrama, to be honest with you. But to get back to it, no, no, the MJF, the MJF scene being followed up with Jay Lethal basically doing the exact same yes. scene. That, you know, this it, it, we're being consistent here. We criticized the the 
preview show or the show we just previewed for the similar thing where it looks like that's going to happen there. Uh, I just it, it it seems to me that once you like get your rundown like and you're looking at what all the finishes are, you just need to stop yourself and go, oh, we can't have these two right back. back. Like question if you need to actually do them both this way, but certainly you can't have them right next to each other. There's a no. quality control thing that's really missing on this and show right And also, now. I think what you're going to do end up doing here is say that the MJF one was a swerve and the Jay Lethal one wasn't, so you can feed them to Jericho. Now, my problem with the firm thing is that that story hasn't been earned yet. And it's a story to tell, but it's great. It's okay. I have the firm on retainer to protect, my, to protect myself and to protect the belt and to help me be the world champion. Okay, great. But you need to then tell the story that then the firm decides to go, decides to interfere a few times and MJF is for it. And then there's a time where they do it, where he's like, what are you guys doing out here? And then there's a time they do it and where that's he's a story a, that makes more sense against when he's it. champion. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like yes. It makes infinitely more sense when he's, when they doing go rogue and they decide right. to be in it for themselves. Right. That's a story and, and to tell now, when he's and, champion. And, and that creates real doubt as to whether or not he's going to be able to kind of keep it together because like, is his own house in order? Are the firm going to turn on him? You know, like, yeah, like, like that, that's a championship. These are, these are mercenaries and they're going to be out for themselves eventually once the money runs out or whatever. Yeah. Right. It's, it's Stokely just, might get big ideas that maybe he could have big Will Morrissey get the belt off of MJF. Yeah. Don't do this on your second interaction on weekly television between the, between the firm and MJF because the only other one before this was, was the Morrissey stuff. So yeah, I just, it, it was inexplicable. And then the, and then to then follow it up with a very similar match and a very similar angle. I just thought, man, that I mean, I said it a little stronger on, on the Dynamite show, which I do over on Fight Game Media. I said, look, Tony has all these ingredients. I'm having a question about whether or not he can cook at times. And he's been doing this for three years. He's been the only booker in this company for three years. That's a long time to, to book this much television and not be burned out a little bit. Even the best bookers never had that kind of a long, never had a lot of longevity unless you were Vince McMahon and nobody really liked his longevity. So, yeah, I, I, I question that quite a bit. Your go. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. Prince Nana for me, I, I think, <laughs> is a very goofy addition. Like, we end the money. <laughs> like, it, it, it felt like a weird meta comedy thing like he's like uh i don't know what the term is for like the you know like the pizza guy like these characters that randomly show up at trope. AEW. he's a what? trope he's a yes, trope. trope yeah 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 like like prince nana feels like a trope character and at a time where this show does need to kind of regain its footing for me yes i moxley had a nice speech a few weeks ago that one speech alone does not terra firma make uh i, I think that prince nana uh i don't know like it makes the gates of agony seem goofy like yes. they seem like a legitimate team and then paired with prince nana like i i don't know i just i think the i think i think the thinking here is that the comedy of nana offsets the uh Menace. Mean, menace of the Gates Agony, and it doesn't. It now, does and, not. Now I no. will, I, I will, I will, I will defend Nana in this case because look, y'all know I loves me some Tully Blanchard. Y'all knows I lo wanted me some Tully Blanchard Enterprises all over this television. Prince Nana is a great in-match manager. 
if you watch him, he's always working. He's always yelling. He's always either encouraging his guy or yelling at the ref or whatever. He is a better, and he's and his reactions are always on time. I think it's partly due to being younger than Tully and really knowing knowing the business of being a manager. I think Nana's a better manager than Tully Blanchard was. I, I got to be honest with you. Blanchard would bring the heat on the promos. He is a far better promo than Prince Nana will ever be. But Prince Nana in the bell to bell stuff is better than Tully on this end. And I'll say, I'll even defend this. I think uh, Moxley's promo this week was pretty damn good. Yeah. And, and then I guess my, my next thought here is the ring of, insofar as this show has a meta storyline right now it is the introduction of aew universe 2 aka ring of honor (laughs) and let's let's run with the idea that that's effectively a storyline it's not a very interesting one earth 2 earth 2 where it's 2006 all over again and ring of honor exists earth 2 where chris jericho is doing a bizarro parody of wwe a wwe a sports entertainment like iteration that is the former management style like it's not even the current one so it's like a rib on like what is now i'm so glad to say this a bygone era jeffrey um yeah no like he's really an anachronistic sort of gimmick the 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 deadline here is not actually an interesting <laughs> enough storyline to build an Earth 2 around. I love that gimmick. I, I, I love calling them the deadline. Because it's true. Because, I mean, even you watch the uh, the Anna J. Ty Conti interaction with, with with Charisma Machine Sky Blue and Madison Rain. And it, Man, it's, it does, it's all about... Madison Rain and Sky Blue were, were just dazzling it was like it was like the sun radiating off just the, the personality in those two. Oh, i forgot to mention on my news that soraya has been cleared by doc sampson so there you go uh, but but i like that four-way or the the, the uh the the six-woman tag uh we'll go into that maybe a little bit in a sec but i want to i want to i want to praise and then snark a little nxt here real quick before i go back to aew once again damon kemp is fantastic and so are the creed brothers and and I'd love to have them be if they all get brought up to to the main roster to be the diamond mine again, I would not be upset by this. Cause they can all I mean, Damon Kemp doing WWE style promos that well this quick is amaze balls. Cause everybody was putting money on his brother being the guy because they had so much invested in him. But maybe that the guy you don't think about who has more personality and may not be the athlete that his brother is is the guy to do this. And I, I just, he is fantastic. Now for the snark. What are they, this this Grayson Waller, who it turns out I met at a PWG show, because he, he posted a picture of himself with Candice LeRae at PWG wearing this outfit. I go, I talked to that guy. I did not realize that was Grayson Waller. Anyways, Roxanne Perez is a character you need to protect. Like, like you need to wrap it in bubble wrap and then more bubble wrap and put it in steel and then in a safe and then in a fireproof safe and in a third safe and a fourth safe to protect her. Why? Because good baby faces, pure baby faces in WWE always get booked like morons or end up being scripted like morons. And this came very, very close 
to killing all of her goodwill because she was snarky and sarcastic. And I don't look, there's a fine line between having a baby face who stands up for herself himself and having one that has way too heelish tendencies and shades of gray. And this was a little bit more of the latter with her being snarky towards sky blue Two electric boogaloo Cora Jade. I just, I did not, I did not like this. I know other people praised her. I thought her delivery was fine, but I just thought the scripting for Roxanne Perez, who is a treasure in NXT, let's say that as, as a pure, pure baby face. I, I just, I did not understand this and it, it flustered me a bit, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in concurrence with you on that. Uh, another angle that, I knew I was going to get sour on eventually, but we've arrived at that point is the Hank Walker stuff. Oh. Hank as the head of security who occasionally wrestles once in a blue moon is a legitimate way and an interesting way of making your security force more credible. You have Hank needs to look less like Seth Rogen and more like the guy they used to have in the nineties who looked like he could like murder someone. You know, like, like in, like, the mid-90s in WWF, they had that, like, really jacked dude who always wore, like, the beret thing. You know what I'm talking about? Wait a second. Say that again? The head of security guy they used to have working Raw in, like, the mid-90s who wore, like, a beret and was totally jacked. <laughs> God, no. I don't remember. They, they, were, he, they had, did, he, they had, did he wrestle also? No, he never he just... did. No, he never did. Um, but they, he used to like on WWF, they used to have a very menacing looking like head of security guy who would like, he was like the crowd control dude. And like, okay. he, yeah, I huge arms. I remember this. Uh, I'll, I'll take a look for him. Hold on. You, yeah. You, you yeah. But, um, like, I like the idea of a head of security who occasionally like, he... oh, oh, okay. Yeah. No, now uh, Jim Dotson. Played between ninety D O T S O N. Played between ninety five and two thousand one. He was head of protective services. Played played college football too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I remember this guy now. Yeah, that that guy. Uh, like I'm. Oh, he passed away in two thousand fifteen. I'm down with the idea of a head of security guy who is more than just like a red shirt. So, like, I mean, for example, when a big like. He can actually take out a little low-level heel or whatever. Right. But, like, when a big menacing, like, you know, real heel shows up, like, and they obliterate head of security Hank or whoever it is, that means something more than just eliminating Hank's red shirts. Um, But, like, I don't need this guy to be, like, a full-on character. I don't need this guy to have a journey. Breaking news, Legato Del Fantasma has debuted as a unit on SmackDown, along uh, including Electra Lopez. So the entire unit is up there. And apparently, uh, according to people talking to me right now, they're not getting over quite as well as we had hoped. But we'll see. It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what are they sending them up with, you know? Uh, That's true, too. Uh, they they, they got to have something. Oh, my uh, God. It's those guys from NXT. It's Legato's. Like, like that's that, not that going to no, be enough. That nobody watches other than, like, a third of our audience on the main yeah. roster. Yeah. <laughs> how, about, how, about, how about some uh, video packages to hype them coming? How about that? Oh, maybe I missed it because I haven't watched SmackDown in a while. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, DJ Z, also known as Joaquin Wild, is yes. actually like a very entertaining personality. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, he, he, uh, he can be good. Chris, I'm going to tell a story, uh, or I'm going to go on this six-woman tag, which was very good on Dynamite. Don't get me wrong. I just don't understand as a setup to kill Willow Nightingale again. Because you can't have her beat Jade Cargill tonight. Because you haven't told that story yet. And I know Tony's getting a little bit mad at, at us, those of us like me who say he doesn't tell stories. He doesn't tell stories. He doesn't tell well. stories. Um, I said a long time ago, I thought with Chris Statlander at that Willow Nightingale might be the person to beat, uh, beat Jade. But we got to go on that journey. I like that she got the win here. That would have been a nice first step. And then she goes through and starts beating people. And she has to get and over winning. this, oh, shucks, happy to be here yes, character. because that didn't work in the promo at all. The promo was terrible. Oh, my God. It was really bad. You know, it like was you, very you, you, weirdly, you really want, you oddly, I guess maybe this is what happens when you get a little bit older, but, like, you want this, like, happy-go-lucky dope who is terribly naive about the way of the world to, like, lose, not get obliterated, but, like, get their ass kicked a little bit so that they can like learn the lesson that life isn't like that schmuck. And then they turn and they, they, they finally get serious a bit. The problem is she's not, this will be the third time if she loses losing to Jade Cargill. And the story is to say the third time's the charm. And after the second loss, you start building her not after the third loss, building her up for the fourth match against Jade Cargill, which is, this is, this is driving me nuts. I don't think they have a plan on who, who, who to win. Because it, I think you don't it's say you don't say there was no plan for this Jade Cargill thing. No way. Well, I think the plan was probably step put the yeah, step one. Put the belt on her. Step two, profit. Profit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, step two question step, mark. Step, step two step question three. mark. Step three profit. profit yeah. Yes. Right. No. They're underpants, we, gnomes. Yes. Uh, we've been we've been very much stuck on that step two. Uh, give her henchmen of various types well that's also the problem with long-term booking but not doing week to week oh i'm gonna put the belt on statlander well statlander's gone now what oh <laughs> throws off all my plans yeah i just it, it it's one of those things where yeah the promo didn't do much for will because willow willow was very sports entertainment during that promo i thought i was just like god she's so likable naturally just let her be natural as opposed to trying to play up you know the dancing Kind of thing. Oh, look, I, like I have personality. Fun. I'm yes, here to I have like, fun. Yeah. Oh, that is such a, that is so Jericho so appreciation. Yeah, yeah, it's very, I, it's weird. It's like. <laughs> there you go. She turns heel and becomes the person who likes having fun during the match. Uh, it, it, it's, it's funny because like, this is the sort of stuff that Jericho, like the worst part about the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff is like the jokes aren't even that funny, like the pizza party and the bucket hat. Like there are much better things like sports entertainers love having fun and Jericho making it a point to like have everyone have a lot of fun because that's one of the most important parts of the piston. Uh, and, and since we've been criticizing AEW a lot, let, let's give some praise where credit is I, I really liked the the MJF Utah match. After, oh, the after, match after itself it was back. good. Yeah, yes. right. Yes. Um, once it's yeah, once we get, you know, once you get through that first commercial break and like yes. they really start and they start doing the, the mat work. I mean, the first half to me seemed slow motion at times, and I felt like they were stretching for time. Yeah, a little bit, and you know, MJF not putting much behind doing those clotheslines going into the break, but uh, but once it got down to the mat and they were doing all, and it really started getting over, it was fantastic. You know the the. You know, I agree with you. The Wardlow Brian Cage match was really, really good. I really liked it a lot. Um, the six woman tag was really, really good. 
it's just I, I need these I need feuds and I need heat and I need building of things. I need to I can't just for me personally, and I know I'm different than other fans and fans complain to me about this all the time. And I don't care because there are other fans who agree with me who say I'm correct on this. So take what you want and, you know, and pay for it. But if the feud isn't built up to a certain kind of degree, I don't want to see them in the ring together with one another. I don't think the match then continues the feud. I think the feud can be built on it, but there also has to be a certain way that that match is, is performed to then build a feud, to make it more, violent more angry more animus to then put a stipulation on it that that's just me but yeah yeah no i mean in the same way that i don't I had just a good watch, match i don't just watch action movies for the fight scenes the yes. ones that actually engage me is we're building up the whole time for a big big fight like i mean this is why i i've praised it on the show before but like this is why cobra kai when it works well is so rewarding at least to me is they spend a lot of time developing out the story and the feuds and then when they get to the big fight scene you're like yeah all right let's have the fight like like you're ready for it um the wrestling operates on a very similar formula jackie chan loses his appeal after you watch three movies in a row right 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 yeah because he's just just fighting right yeah it's just fight no it's it's a it's it's good the first time the second time you're like yeah still got it third time you're like uh it was all right, I've seen this kind of yes, stunt, and right, it's impressive, right. and I, I appreciate what he's doing here. But you know what? I like a little plot in here. <laughs> in right, right. Yeah, no, I want a little characterization. I, I like. I mean, you want to feel something with these characters. Yes. And it doesn't need to be a deep feeling. No. Um, But it, it does need to be. It can be as simple feeling. as one guy comes out and says, I don't like you. I mean, yeah. that's the easiest feud in the world. Do that. Um, Yeah. Uh, Your turn. I have nothing else in my queue. In your queue, um, yeah, no, I, I, I guess I'll echo the thought on, or we, I did already echo the thought on dynamite here, and then other than that, yeah, man, I like look, I, I definitely don't want to seem like I loved every minute of like NXT specifically, like a lot of stuff we didn't talk about here was just there, um, I yes, yeah, uh, but like Carmelo Hayes or the Mensa, oh, that's. <laughs> Von, Von Wagner and Andre Chase. Carmelo look, Hayes is so awesome. He's so awesome. He's so awesome. I, I will fight anyone who says otherwise. He's It's like him. <laughs> I, I, I know like we're down on this NXT 2.0 as a brand, but like when you actually look at the class of talent that's down there right now, they got a lot of effing studs down there um, between like Ivy Nile, um, who, who is definitely like a talent in terms of like a raw physical specimen um, to the creeds and Damon Kemp, who we've mentioned glowingly on numerous occasions here. Um, Braun Breaker's no slouch. Like he he's, he's putting it together. Um, you like, uh, Audrey Chase is a fine little character and Carmel Hayes is a stud. Like, like, like you, you've got And of course, Roxanne Perez. Like this yes. is a this is a pretty solid developmental class down there, and let let us not forget about Pretty Deadly. Yeah, Pretty Deadly, and the curse by Kevin Owens was a great line, but that that segment was garbage. But Carmelo Hayes winning the match against Bootleg Kofi. Bootleg Kofi's in NXT, and he's gonna be in this ladder match, and he's gonna be pretty good in it, I think. And they're trying to give him some characterization, which is nice. I, I like that. But uh, going on commentary, <laughs> I used to ask for setbacks for Christmas so I could over- overcome them and then and stunt on these hoes, which got a huge pop for me because that's that's a uh, 
to uh, uh, Donald Glover uh, Childish Gambino reference. (laughs) I I, I cried at that. And then I absolutely love the staging of Wesley jumping into the frame as he's doing the the commentary and him not expecting it and just starting a beat down there. They framed that so well, especially with Carmelo just talking his stuff. I just, he is... He's going to work on the main roster. And for a guy his size, that's saying so. Now, Trick Williams needs some work if he's going to survive on the main roster because you can get bodyguards that, that that suck in the ring. Not that he sucks, but he needs work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? no, it, he he he's sort of a weird non-entity in the ring. Like, he he's not really a big guy. He's not really, like, a fast guy, not yes. a technical guy. Like, he's just sort of there. The thing that he does best is hype manning for yes. Carmelo, but yes. like you get a lot of people who can hype man. Uh, yeah, like and if anything, Carmelo would need a hype man who's smaller than him, not bigger than him. Or they will uh, look at him and go, "We need a hype man who can also." Work. Oh, I have one last thought. I have one last thought. Okay, uh, to end the show here, Top Dollar, you could not pay me enough money to take a wrestling move from this man. That man <laughs> is so unsafe. Unsafe at any speed, like the Ralph Nader book. <laughs> Can you describe a move for me because I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, uh, so uh, last week Hit Row was on SmackDown. Like they yes, have, the, the, I remember their, this. Their, their finisher is that like he does like a back by drop, and there's the uh, oh yeah the drop kick or whatever. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, we have Top Dollar getting the heat, and he does like you know kind of like a pick up like a crucifix, like you're gonna do a fallaway slam or something like that. Ooh. He is having Ooh. the the damnedest time keeping these humans up. He's doing a crucifix. Oh, like, like, that's like, no like, trying to like, 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 yeah, like trying to not, he's not trying to do a cru. I'm saying he's picking him up. Like, uh, Oh, the follow-away slam. Yeah, is that like, like the old laser, the old like, laser, yeah, the sack of shit, the sack yeah. of shit toss. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, yeah. Uh, like he, he's trying to get who, someone up for that. And he also has this move where he's like trying to like carry two people at once to exhibit strength. And he does not have the control to do this safely. Yes, that take that takes safety and needing. To, yeah, okay. No, no. He, so, he, so, he, so he's is he better or worse than Viscera? Because vi- actually, Viscera, I kind of like to be honest. With you. I, I actually kind of like Viscera. Yeah, yeah. Never no, mind. I, let's let's yeah. withdraw that question because there are big men who are worse. Yeah, I. I'm... No, he, they, he's, they need, they he's need... at like the Nia Jax level of unsafe for me. Okay. Yeah, like that. That's that's. I would. I get the feeling that they're going to combine Trick and Carmella with this to try and get that to try and save the act because I just don't think Ashanti. Carmelo, yeah, Carmelo as the front of Hit Row could reboot that thing. Because no, no, Top Dollar. I mean, the other thing is yes. Right now, that act, the the formula is. I guess we're going to try to run this through Top Dollar. He stinks. No, you, you, don't do that. Go and get Carmelo. And we'll have breaking news to end the show, according to Fightful, our friends over there. John Moxley assigned a five-year extension with AEW. Hey, good for Moxley. He's uh, the best champion that company has ever had. Is he the ace? Is he is he now the ace? Like he, he is the ace of that okay. company. Okay. He is the ace of that company. I no. agree. No, it's 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 not even close. It's not. It, it like we can talk about. Uh, I know we we didn't necessarily spend enough on the three yearsness of AEW or whatever, but like just to end on that kind of thought. He is the best of the champions that they have had. He is far and away the best. Um, he is the most on brand. He is the least drama. He delivers the best matches. 
and the um, best promos and the best promos um he's he's the best that they've had so far and okay. that's not bad that's not bad uh but yeah and he he's definitely the best they've had and so i will i will end he with should this. get that contract he deserves yeah. it i will end with this question then do you let mjf beat him uh i think that's i think that's where they're going i think they have to in order to yeah. see if they want to re-sign mjf yeah I, okay. I think i think you have to i would have uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would have someone maybe I'd have someone else beat uh, Moxley like Kingston at, for one week and then have MJF take the belt off of Kingston. Basically, like tease that we're going to get this like Eddie title reign um, mm-hmm. and start MJF like by breaking everybody's hearts that we're not going to get to see what would have been an absolutely dazzling Eddie Kingston world title reign. Wow, that sounds sarcastic. It was a little bit sarcastic. I because there are people who really want this, and I don't think it would be that good. I, think I don't the think best, so either. I think the best thing that you could do is put the belt on him for a week, have MJF screw him out of it, and, and then Eddie become, Kingston goes yes. insane because of this. The legend this of Eddie Kingston, and he does not need the belt. He is he money by, and, and he wants revenge on MJF for the rest yes. of this title run. But like is, you can even yeah. have him be the pivotal reason why MJF ultimately loses is the belt that one year down the line Eddie Kingston ultimately returns the screw that he never forgot um but no like I think if you're gonna make Kingston champion ever and I don't know that you should it should be for like no two and a half weeks he, no. he is he is the people's champ he does not no. need a title no it doesn't he doesn't need to run but you should make it for like two and a half weeks and have MJF take it right off of him we will end there. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris at DWATG. This is on Twitter. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. It'll update you when new episodes uh, are uploaded. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. We'd like to, once again, thank HelloFresh, VOW65 for 65% off and free shipping. That's- Upgrade or update your promo cards, people. It's not too late. Yes, HelloFresh.com slash vow 65 i am on fight game media every wednesday doing the dynamite show with the hot takes on dynamite with there's a bunch of shows over there as well most uh for a bunch of variety of of things they are they're a lot like voices of wrestling but five bucks a month will get you my show on the patreon there you can hear all the things that i don't bring up here on shake them ropes chris also has a patreon he'd like to tell you about it now my name is Chris Novenbrun. I am the music teacher to the stars. And I'm also going to be at Adairs here Saturday night, <laughs> 6 to 9 p.m. Going to be at Adairs again, 10 to 1 a.m. on Sunday. Going into Monday morning. Start your week off right with a little bit of vitamin N. That's vitamin Novi, baby. Um, if you want guitar lessons, bass lessons, drum lessons, music theory lessons, recording lessons, all those can be available. Feel free to contact me on Instagram at Dr. Underscore Nov. Uh, feel free to sub up to the Patreon for Don't Worry About the Government. As I announced earlier this week on Twitter, I'm like stepping back from doing that for a little while here uh, because of time constraints and just needing to like have some me time that I'm not getting uh, on a regular enough basis here. But uh, I, I would love to have your buck a show. I will be dropping back in when I come back and you only get charged a dollar when I put out a show. So if you could, if you would go to patreon.com slash DWATG and feel free to sub up for a buck or take one of my fantastic guitar lessons. Isn't that right, Jeff? Fantastic. Fan friggin' tastic.